0: All righty. Uh, Our good friend, Dr. Harlan Ullman, uh, writes for two sources. Does a great job with The Messenger and also The Hill. And, of course, Harlan, uh, with his uh, books and everything else, his his latest one, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is Shock and Awe. He is the author of Shock and Awe, Anatomy of Failure, Why America Loses Faith, Uh, loses uh, every war it starts. And, of course, the latest one, which we talk about all the time, the Fifth Horseman and the New Mad. Now, massive attacks of disruption become the looming existential danger of a divided nation and the world at large. The aforementioned Harlan, good to have you, my friend.
1: Good Good to have you. And happy
0: holidays. Indeed, indeed. Uh, And let's let's get into the latest regarding... uh, which was published uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. I think I got it right, right in the messenger. Give us yep. a sense there as far as uh, what happened to America's priorities and ethical standards uh, you had written. So let's get into that a little bit.
1: Go ahead. As, as we know from history, both Karl Marx and Vladimir Lenin believed that contradictions were central to politics. And contradictions, unfortunately, abound in America. Just consider a couple. The great debate in Congress about whether do we fund Ukraine, which is seen as vital to our national interests, or the border, which is obviously very, very important, but may not have the same urgency. And so the problem here was doing we're doing neither. The Senate is still in session trying to get some kind of reconciliation. The House is gone, which means we can't get a bill until early next year at best. But the point is, Today in America, every priority seems to be of equal weight. And if you cannot prioritize, how can you possibly govern? Right. Every priority is the same. And second, about ethics, you know, whether you like Donald Trump or Joe Biden or not, we've now put ourselves in a position where Trump, as everybody knows, is facing 91 indictments in four different criminal cases. And Biden is being investigated for the wrongdoings of his son. How do we get to a situation where both presidential candidates cannot escape the law? It just shows me how our ethical conduct has lapsed all these years. And without having priorities that we can set and agree upon, governing is going to be increasingly difficult. And I find that to be a shockingly pessimistic way to start the new year.
0: That's an excellent point. You know, when you think about and, you, you know, the key word here, folks, is priority. Uh, and when you think about it, Harlan, there are none, right? When you think about what's going on as far as Ukraine and everything else, we've got a stalemate there. Uh, We haven't really moved the needle. I mean, the United States certainly has, I mean, outside of, of giving, you know, it's the season of giving. We have given uh, billions uh, to Ukraine for aid and, and weaponry and everything else, tanks, you name it, Uh, but you still have a stalemate as far as, you know, where are we going with? it? Like, what is the overall plan? Where are we at here? Uh, is there some sort of a solution on the table here? We don't have any of that right now. Well, we rarely do.
1: goes so back to Vietnam. The problem is, <clears throat> with a strategy, you need to have some kind of an outcome. And as I have been arguing for a very long time, Jay, on your show, as you yeah. know, saying that we're going to support Ukraine for as long as it takes is not a strategy. It's a commitment that we cannot make meet. And the fact of the matter is we have offered about $100 billion, the vast majority of which is being spent here. But regardless of where it's being spent, it is just contributing to our deficit, which is now $34 trillion, which over the long term is probably our greatest national security danger that we face. How do we deal with it? All we do is spend, spend, spend. It's difficult to tax, tax, tax. And this is another reason why without any kind of sense of priorities, um, it's very difficult to cover.
0: No doubt about it. And you made reference, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, I got to tell you regarding the Vietnam war. I mean, the Vietnam war with Holland was what a 12, 13 year deal, uh, the sixties, early seventies, uh, we had plenty dead and wounded, uh, and it really you know when you look back at that period it devastated the military you know and you you put out you you point out here regarding this so-called hollow force it took a long time to rebuild and especially you know you go back to the, uh, the the Iraq war of the 90s you know you know a little bit of redemption there no well the point
1: is that in vietnam depending upon when you believe we actually started it or entered it, which is probably 1964, and then finally left in 75, we had over 58,000 dead and 150,000 badly wounded. And it took us the better part of 15 years to recover. Now, intelligence reports, our intelligence, that Vladimir Putin has lost the casualties 315,000 of the original 360,000 troops he sent into Ukraine and about two-thirds of his equipment. Now, if that figure is accurate, uh, it is stunning in the extreme. Uh, And so how long did it take us to recover with 58,000 dead? How long will it take Putin to recover? I don't know, but I think anybody who argues or suggests that Putin is going to invade NATO in going to Poland or Romania or the Baltic needs to have their head examined, because unless he's got a robust number of Boy Scouts to send in, he is simply out of capability. And I don't understand why we don't appreciate that. And indeed, that's another contradiction. When it is clear, Putin has really, really lost a great deal of his military capability. It's absolutely ludicrous to believe that he is going to invade NATO, which he's never going to do in any event, but now. He certainly
0: does not have that capacity. If if that is the case, is there a solution to this madness? If he's not going further from a boundary standpoint, then what is the purpose as far as Putin right now? I mean, he has made his point. He has destroyed Ukraine. In essence... Is it the last stand from Zelensky as far as a final point on Putin's end here? What would be the the overall, uh, the overall mindset at this point in time?
1: Last Thursday, he gave a four-hour press conference. I'm probably one of three Americans who read it in its entirety. And the bulk of the press conference, outside of what he said about Ukraine, was interesting because it focused entirely on domestic issues in Russia, he received 2.1 million questions on his website. And a lot of those questions were very pointed about, why don't the railroads work? Why does this airport not being able to function? Why can't we get paid? On and on and on. Questions that I don't think are ever even pointed at any kind of an American president. But I sense that in the comments that Putin made, he was signaling that he may be open to some kind of discussion. Not immediately, but that he understands that this is a deadlock and that if Trump is not elected in November, and even if he were, it may be time to try to reach some sort of solution. And I hope any administration, any administration, Jay, I mean, how would you how would you begin negotiations when Putin is the enemy? One of the few things that members of Congress on both sides of the aisle agree, he have been called a war criminal by the president. And any time that we would seem to slacken our support for Ukraine, the criticism would be intense. So how does any president, in this case Biden, begin a negotiation with somebody who we believe is, is, is not reachable and is poisonous so radioactive? But I do think that Putin is looking towards a solution. And my guess is sometime in mid 2024, there will be some kind of a negotiation, which will be a partition of Ukraine, where the battle lines are currently drawn is it was basically where it was. And there'll be some guarantees for Ukrainian security, possibly if Putin decides to reattack NATO membership. So I think that's the way it's going to work out. The greater problem I talk about is in Gaza. Right. The only way that the only way that Hamas is going to be destroyed is if Gaza is destroyed. And what's happening there is that Netanyahu is destroying Israel in a sense that Israel is a pariah state, no matter the justification for responding to Hamas, no matter how strong that was, Israel has put itself in a position where it is seen as creating all these war crimes and destroying the country, not just Hamas. And my fear is that, given all the casualties and the stories coming out of Gaza where there's no food, water, disease is going to take over, supposing covid asserts itself in Gaza and is highly contagious. What do we do then? So this is a crisis that Yahoo is not going to listen to Biden. Biden is sending his secretary of defense, chairman of the Joint Chiefs over there, trying to get the Israelis to at least lessen the the degree of defense in which they've already dropped about the equivalent of four new arms.
0: Holland, I understand what you're saying here. Netanyahu doesn't have any choice right now. This is what Hamas Hamas has intertwined themselves uh, into schools, into hospitals, into playgrounds. This is how they, they go about their business. They lead a propaganda war as far as Israel being the bad guy here, and they're completely trying to turn the table after what happened on October the 7th. So in essence, what would you want or what could Benjamin Netanyahu and company do at this point in time? I mean, obviously, you have a president here in the ear of Netanyahu as far as, you know what, let's back off a little bit. Humanitarian certainly at the top here. Uh, Let me, uh, um, you know, the Secretary of Defense over there right now, Blinken's been over there a couple of times, but in essence, you have to have Israel finish the job here. Finishing the job is taking care of Hamas. If you don't, the same thing will happen two, three years down the road here. They've even stated it will. So Netanyahu in a tough spot, and we understand innocent people are dying here. I understand that. But what would you like this prime minister to do at this point in time?
1: Well, as I said from the very beginning, Jay, that Hamas has created a diabolical strategy in which, in essence, it's forcing Israel to destroy Gaza and therefore, over time, to destroy itself. There is no way, that you can completely destroy Hamas without destroying Gaza. There's another argument here. Hamas has, in terms of income, about a billion dollars a year. The majority of it from its own investment. Let me say again, its own investment. And so it's financing itself. Iran may put up a hundred million dollars, gutter somebody, but the real money is coming from its investments abroad. Unless you destroy those investments abroad, and Israel has no capacity to do that, the best that you can do is weaken Gaza and then put in some kind of an administration in charge that will be able to control Gaza. But Netanyahu has refused to consider who is going to govern Gaza when this is over and needs to think about a two-state solution, which he is finding impossible. And without a two-state solution... There's no you can't. here. And over time, Israel will, in a sense, destroy itself by isolating itself. The only way in my judgment, is through Saudi Arabia and a linkage between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And that's going to require, over time, a two state solution and changing his tactic, in which he's much more selective. You just can't look, you're dropping Mark 82, 500,000 pound bombs that are dumb. You know, this notion about
0: precision warfare but Holland, is
1: nonsense. And Holland, I don't agree that...
0: You, you cannot even think about a two-state solution. You can't until you eradicate Hamas. I mean, come on. Bottom line. All this talk, two-state and everything else, wonderful. Listen, we want, or at least most sane people want the Palestinians to live in peace. Okay, they can't live in peace because Hamas governs them. Okay? Until you eradicate this poison, you can't even think about a two state solution. You can't. I don't even I, they, you can't even discuss it. It is a let me finish.
1: There is no way, let me repeat, there is no way Israel is going to eradicate Hamas without eradicating Gaza. Period.
0: And they may not even do that. As I said, so then what is God, the answer then? Resources Pardon? So what is the answer then? If you're I not, if you, you can't do it because of Hamas's presence, then what do you do?
1: Well, the, what you do do is that you weaken Hamas and then come up with some system of government that can provide for security. If you just decide to withdraw, there'll be enough of Hamas to create uh, <laughs> itself.
0: It'll not. never happen. What do you mean it it'll, will never happen? It'll never happen because. Who governs Hamas, Holland? Who no, they, funds Hamas? my point, Jay. Jay Iran, Iran funds do Hamas. Do we not have a deal on the table as far as what we have given Iran already? No, no. Iran
1: does not. I mean, you're not listening. Iran gives Hamas a <clears throat> modest amount of money, not more than a hundred million dollars. Hamas self funds itself with close to a billion dollars of money from its own investment. Think about Hamas as its own investment banker. And there's no way you're going to be able to eliminate it because you can't get into the system of Wallah and you can't trace down where all the money is coming from. There's no way that you can eradicate Hamas, period. You cannot do that without destroying Gaza. And you have to understand those are realities. And what you are saying is that over time and think of what's happening with all the future terrorists that have been created by killing all these Gazas, many of whom are innocent. I mean, what you're talking about is a perpetual war, a 40-years war, a 100-years war in the Middle East that Israel is consigned to do. And I must tell you that over time, our large yes is going to run out. We are going to get very, very tired of doing this. And so I understand your point. I understand about the attack of October 7th and how diabolically bad it was. But the point is Hamas plotted to do that. Hamas is out to see Gaza destroyed because it's going to make its case that it's never going to be able to be fully destroyed, unfortunately. We have to understand that. And so the notion that somehow Hamas will be obliterated is physically impossible without completely destroying Gaza. And as I said, if disease surfaces as it appears to, you're going to have a humanitarian crisis on steroids. With 2.2 no. 2 million people, you could see deaths of hundreds of thousands if this continues.
0: But Hamas, they're not too tolerable. Hamas said, and Oman, that it will do the same thing. It'll, they will, they will I kill Jews. They will make their way in. Whether it be two, three years down the road, the same damn thing will happen again. Okay. Well,
1: no. The point is, it, it, it will happen again on the same course. That's where Israel is headed for: perpetual war. And so you've got to find an alternative to it. And it, it's like these endless wars that we faced in, in Vietnam. Iraq and Afghanistan, we just did not we just did not fully understand the circumstances for those conflicts. And what we have to understand is that no matter how diabolical Hamas is, its eradication is not possible. What is plan B? What is plan well, B? And Netanyahu I consider plan B.
0: I hate to say yeah. it, Holland. I hate to say it. This is a derivative of what we have in this White House right now, which is weakness. Weakness permeates throughout the world. You know, you have Kim firing off missiles this past weekend, this morning. Uh, you have Putin doing his thing. G does his thing. And you have Iran doing this. You've had 100 attacks, uh, give or take, regarding these air bases in and around since October the 7th, October 17th to be exact. Uh, this is what happens when you have zero strength permeating out of the Oval Office. And and
1: let me tell you, unfortunately, and this is the problem that you have put your fingers on brilliantly, Jay, when you have an excess of strength, you get Vietnam and you get Iraq. And those were overreactions in which we relied on strength. So whether you have a president who's being strong or a president who's being weak, irrespective of a party, it's not working. The last president who got it right was George H.W. Bush. And we haven't had anybody since who was in that Level of ability as president. Everyone has gotten this into great trouble for whatever reasons of being weak or being too strong. And it's, it's something that this country has got to get back to. That's well, why I hate to listen. Priorities is, is absolutely right. We have to set our priorities.
0: We have to set our priorities. And you go back to the days of Ronald Reagan, in which, in my estimation, that's where you had pure strength. Pure strength is a signal, is a beacon for everyone to see around this planet. Until you have that, you will continue to be in complete disarray, in my estimation. Okay? In my estimation. Now, uh, the fourth point, we're talking with Dr. Holland, Holland wrote a brilliant piece, maybe one of your best, I got to tell you. Uh, It came out, I think, on the 15th, Holland writes for The Messenger. uh, Holland writes for The Hill. Now, Holland, uh, Donald Trump... Almost the yeah. certain opponent opponent of Joe Biden, if Biden is a nominee. If I say that, right. if right, right, uh, you know, and now dealing with the son's indictments, tax matters, and so sort on, of, you got a lot of legalese going in here. You have an impeachment inquiry that has been greenlit. Uh, you got a lot of back and forth here now. Until and I do agree with you, we have complete disruption now. You have a, a man who's facing his own legalities in Trump, uh, with his uh what, ninety one or so? Give a take on what's going on yeah. there, indictment. Uh-huh. You have Joe Biden right now. So in essence, you know, I look at these polls and everything else, and Biden's numbers are just, just deplorable. I mean, he's he's thir- he is so underwater. I mean at thirty three percent or whatever it is, give it take there. Who you know, yeah. those who only a proof, you know? I mean, think about it, folks. <laughs> 33. We've not never seen those numbers in the modern era, ever. But in essence, uh, you know, as as you see the battles going on around the world and now within the confines here, that equates as well to a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, listen, those who hope Donald Trump gets into that White House It's going to be a bit of a bumpy ride here.
1: (laughs) Look, the issue here, people say that Trump is going to be a dictator. Donald Trump does not have the capacity or the confidence to be a dictator. He's going to be a disruptor, and he's going to create chaos, which in many ways will be worse. He will be a disaster if he is reelected. Why? Because he is not competent. He he is so self-centered. He does everything
0: that. Would you has, let me ask you? Uh, let me ask you this. Yeah, disaster. Yeah. Could you make a case that we currently are in one in this country under the current leadership? Yeah. Absolutely,
1: I agree with you. As you know, I'm an independent. I, you know, I happen to like Joe Biden, but Joe Biden has done a lot of things that have not worked out. And I completely agree with you. But that's the problem of governance when the Constitution is broken. Look, my guess is if it's Biden versus. Trump. Biden wins by 10 million popular votes. What will determine, however, are going to be five or six states and districts in which maybe as few as 30 or 40,000 votes will make the difference. That's not a way to elect a president, unfortunately. And so let's say Trump does win because he wins the electoral college, but Biden has even a bigger advantage in, in popular votes. That's going to create a crisis again unlike the ones that happened in 2020 or when, when George W. Bush won. That's a problem with the system. And and the issue
0: It is what it is. Listen, just look at the uh, Hillary accept- Clinton and situation. Is, Go
1: ahead. But further, Trump does not accept any fact or any truth, which he does not invent. He is the most malicious liar in the history of our country as president. You can't trust anything because everything he says he believes is true. That's a profound issue. You can challenge Biden's judgment. Fair enough. But when you have somebody who only accepts the facts as he sees them, that is going to be an impossible situation. So, you know, it's 27. Look, 75% of the country does not want either Trump or Biden. What does that tell you? Tell me when that happened before, Jay.
0: Well, you listen, not to... I, I will say this. So be it. As far as that opinion is concerned, all I know is what I see here right now is we are in an intolerable situation, okay? Uh, The border, uh, the inflationary period, the criminal activity and everything else, border border being top priority for me, because we cannot sustain, hold on a minute now, we cannot sustain our current state of affairs at the border. Eight million plus encounters nearly 2 million as far as those who have gotten away, terrorist uh, fentanyl coming in left and right, now in gummy bears, by the way, for our kids. Uh, we can't sustain this. We can, the cartels are having a field day. We cannot sustain four more years. We will have no country anymore.
1: Well, tell me this. Why have we not solved the border problem that's been going on for a considerably longer time? Tell me why
0: we're incapable of doing that. Did, did we, let me, let me ask you this. Did we sustain numbers back in the days of the Trump administration, no. or what we're encountering right now? Yes or no? Yeah,
1: okay, we agree. But listen, the Biden administration, whether you like it or not, its first days in office submitted an immigration bill to Congress that the Republicans refused to consider.
0: Why did he dismiss Title 42, Holland?
1: Um, I can't. I cannot answer that except to say that some people thought that a lot of it was unconstitutional in the way it was going to be carried out. But that's not the point. The point is that if both sides are unable to reach some kind of compromise, that border situation is never going to get fixed. Never. And it has to be fixed. It's outrageous for every reason that you can believe. But the system is making it impossible. I mean, if you go through every single big issue here, um, cultural issues, where. Families are now divided on the basis of political party affiliation. That's absurd. And my point here is, Jay, we can criticize all we want. But until we get both parties that purge themselves of the extreme left and the extreme right, we are in deadline. And the border situation is unlikely to get any better. Point of fact, why the hell are the, are the, is the House of Representatives out of session? If the border is that important, what the hell are they doing? Answer me
0: that. No, listen, I, I agree with you. This okay. is this is prio one, prio one. Okay,
1: and now I go back to my point.
0: Why can we not resolve
1: you and I? If we sat down, we could come up with an issue. But five hundred thirty-five members of Congress can't. There's something fundamentally wrong.
0: Well, there is something wrong. I do. We, we agree on that point, uh, but we cannot sustain four more years of Joe Biden, because you know that it will never change. It will never change as far as the Swiss cheese that we have going on at the southern border. It will never change. And in my estimation, we cannot sustain four more years of this current administration based on their actions, which will be none as far as reversal of costs.
1: Zero. You know, Jay, you may be right. You cannot predict the future, and the other part of Biden's the other part of Biden's problems is Kamala Harris. Does anybody seriously think that she would make a good president?
0: No. Okay. <laughs> no, nor has she made a good czar as far as the border is concerned. So, you know, border, Listen, but- feast or famine. It's a tough situation. All in brilliant uh-huh. piece. The Messenger, The Hill. The books, the new MAD, I recommend it highly, okay? And look for Dr. Ullman's brilliant pieces. Uh, Always great having you on the show. You know that.
1: Good to be with you, Joe, and have a happy and, and safe holiday.